And now, this is a mid-credit minute. Whenever I think about nostalgia, it's like the IP chasing is such a big thing. And I think IP chasing and nostalgia, they're they're not completely overlapped, but they have a Venn diagram and it's it's not always the same. But I think sometimes the bigger studios, they fall into this trap of like, well, we don't know what will make us money. And this made us money last time and we have the rights to it. Uh, so why don't we do that again and so it's it's not necessarily calculation it's just desperation in hopes of making money and then if something makes money successfully twice they'll make nine more of them until they stop making money uh and like the fast and the furious franchise is is a weird example where like there was a seven year gap between i think one and three uh but then they have made one every year and a half since then um and it's like okay at some point these have got to stop making money right right (laughs) you you Uh, wonder but i mean that was the same thing with like when x-men first class got made uh it had to get made that year or the rights would have lapsed and actually returned to marvel and so uh you know fox was like and then finally disney was like oh screw it we're just buying fox <laughs> you know and, but i've been, i've been explaining to to my partner explaining she's begrudgingly been listening uh to the same conversation about spider-man cuz she's she she'll ask me like why is another spider-man coming out um and i'm like well, it's a rights thing if they don't make one every two years then marvel gets it back but spider-man's profitable so they have to just keep churning them out and she's like but what about spider-verse and i'm like it's weird and that one only kind of counts and it's animation <laughs> so it'll be another five years before they get the next one out so better just to like drive tom holland's youth into the ground and you know but if you go back to your your fast and furious thing too which is how in 10 years you can't reboot the fast and the furious because if you sat someone down who had never seen any or heard a word of them and you showed them the first one and you're like okay check out this watch it car chases okay now there's going to be 10 of these what do you think happens in the 10th one and the person will be like oh like i guess more car chases you're like no they go to space you're like what the what <laughs> Yeah. What do you huh? mean? No, they drive cars in space. Like in the future? No, like in present time, they just, you know, they're chasing a cyber terror. Like, sorry, how, cyber terrors. It doesn't make any sense in a, in a beautiful, beautiful way where they just like, um, uh, you know, it, it goes back to that taking like the Yojimbo or the, you know, Samurai and going, you know what, we're just going to tell the same kind of story, but just change it up a little bit every time. It's still car chases. We're just going to move them. I, I feel like I feel like the Fast and the Furious is what the Onion once referred to as the military-industrial Oedipal complex. <laughs> <laughs> just, I keep so thinking, bad. I keep thinking the Fast and the Furious franchise in the context of um, direct-to-video horror franchises, where they just keep churning them out and they get uh, lower and lower budget and more and more ridiculous. And eventually they go into space or into the future and there's a final chapter, but it's usually like midway through the, the, the series, except the fast and the furious is going in the opposite direction. They keep getting more and more expensive and they keep getting more and more ludicrous, but are more successful every time they, they make another jump. Like if aliens showed up in the next one, like it wouldn't seem out of place in that franchise. Uh, which is an absurd thing to say. You know, Aliens is a, it's a good one though, right? Because if you think of the first four, 
there it's very much like that almost like a direct to video thing in a way not and i'm not trying to disparage them but it's like we're going to tell this alien story with this main character who ends up defeating the aliens every time right so it's like the the, the last girl kind of thing um but every director who worked on it did something so different right um yeah, yeah. and change and just change like the cameron one is so different you know you just go through them all um and then you had Prometheus and whatever the other one was, which were very, I felt very nostalgic driven thing. Like we're going to, we're going to go back. We're going to tell like that same slow, they can't hear you scream in space kind of thing. Um, and we're going to have the nostalgia elements because like, this is like the guy who becomes bit like the predecessor of Bishop, the robot and, you know, we're, you know Android, whatever. And uh, they, they were, they were super boring to watch. I will a franchise that I will give credit to. Um, I think seeing other, especially the Alien franchise, fall into that hole and purposely trying to avoid it. I don't think that the movies have been wholly successful, but it is the Predator franchise, where every one of the Predator movies is completely different from every other Predator movie. Yeah, uh, for for good and bad, and I think that the Robert Rodriguez one is is actually a brilliant film. Um, but each one of those movies is completely different and as bug nut insane as any of the rest of them, but an entirely different kind of insane. I was going to say, if you were going to, if you were going to have aliens show up in the fast and the furious, it would probably be the predators. <laughs> like, I feel like that crossover would really bring some people together that maybe wouldn't have met each other before. And it would be like a beautiful moment where like this sort of, you know, a predator comic book people like kind of like met up with the fast and furious car people. And, and there'd be, there'd be some harmony. What, what is your that. favorite predator movie? The first one. I love the first predator movie. Like it just, it, it's, I, I just love it. Cause it's the kind of thing that like, you know, for me, it was the kind of thing that like, you know, if you had a camera and some good costumes, you could pretty much go out and that make that in a woodlot on your own. Like, because I mean, it didn't rely on a lot. Right. I mean, like, yeah, there was the shimmering special effect thing, but and some makeup near the end. But a lot of it was just attention. And you had like it was just them being in the jungle, like, you know kind of like almost like the way that sniper not a great film but also weirdly worked for me because it was so just low tech and low like it was just like gritty right and so i don't know i love the first predator movie you you've suddenly made me really want to see the son of rambo like sweeted version of predator <laughs> that's just like filmed in 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 a ravine in some guy's backyard let's see and and i love predator 2 um, because it's that's a too. movie that is absolutely like I, I don't know how it got made like Schwarzenegger wasn't in it we're gonna get Danny Glover and then it's gonna have <laughs> Jamaican gangsters in LA and you know you're like all right all right like we we and, and Jake Busey uh, but I think that's the the brilliance of that franchise is that you don't have to see any of the other films in the series to watch any film in the series. They're all, all of them are disconnected. So you can sit down and you can watch the Danny Glover one. And except for the number two in the title, 
you wouldn't know that there was one about Arnold Schwarzenegger in the jungle at all. Or you can watch the one with Adrian Brody and Topher Grace uh, on an alien planet, and that's fine. Or you can watch the Shane Black one, or and, and they're all in isolation. And I think that that works to the the credit of the longevity of the series. Because as long as they're not tied to... You know, the Alien franchise, I think, you know, really started to falter once Sigourney Weaver didn't want to be in them anymore. And so if you're hooking your franchise to an actor or an actress or a character, you're going to run into problems. Or if it's, you know, you're you're hooking it to a specific place or a timeline, you're going to run into problems. But if you can just be free and like I think Fast and the Furious, weirdly to bring it back to that, kind of started to go in that direction where like after Vin didn't want to be in number two, the studio was just like, well, I mean, we can churn out a car race movie on the cheap every couple of years if we wanted to, um, you know, lots of cities have car, uh, roads that we can race cars on. So let's put this one in Tokyo and this one in, in Malibu. And, and it was only when Vin rejoined them in film four or whatever it was that they were like, okay, maybe this is an ongoing series. But I think if, I think it, uh, you know, that's an example where you can be a little nostalgic for the, 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 the series in general, but you don't have an allegiance to any particular, um, any particular film or, or any of the particular films to, to draw a needle through the rest of them. For more, join Mike Pereira and Michael Clark. For mid-credit scene, new episodes here on Midtown Radio and everywhere you get your podcasts.